1: For the rundown with bob sanders well
0: we're waiting welcome into the rundown It's the Thursday edition here on Fox Sports Radio 1400. Around the world on the iHeartRadio app. You know, we're in the heart of basketball season. Let's talk a little basketball. We'll welcome in Kevin Fitzgerald, of course, friend of the program. Kevin, good afternoon, man. How are you?
1: Rob, good to talk with you again. Hope you're doing well.
0: I am uh, holding my own, my friend. Uh, I wanted to bring you in talk a little hoops today. I know you'll be covering a couple of games here. Your next couple of games are Arkansas and Alabama and then the Tennessee Alabama game. You know, since you have to uh, look at Alabama a little bit here, they've been kind of a like a, a silently good team here in the SEC this season.
1: I do not look now, but yes, that is a quote-unquote bubble team. I mean, there is a strong possibility, should Alabama keep trending upwards and, and kind of keep the success rolling here, that, They're going to go from four and five to start the year with losses against Rhode Island and Penn uh, and may still make the NCAA tournament uh, because they are winning big games. Now they lost yesterday to LSU. So that snapped a nice little uh, eight and two run over their last 10 games. LSU is a tournament team ranked. uh, They're picking up where it left off a year ago, but Alabama is trending in the right direction. so Nate Oates is the head coach. Just hired this past offseason. He comes from Buffalo, had all sorts of success there. They just have these guards that can do a lot. Nate Oates has always emphasized to his guard, you need to be able to not just shoot, not just dribble, not just pass. You have to do it all because that's his style. He loves attacking guards. Kyra Lewis is turning into a potential player of the year candidate. Uh, a, a, a real legitimate case for Lewis in recent weeks. Uh, so Alabama is trending in the right direction outside of the stumble last night against LSU.
0: Now, you do have the Arkansas-Alabama game coming up. Uh, that's your next game up on your schedule there for ESPN. But I have to ask about Arkansas. with uh, They hired Eric Musselman, of course, coming over from Nevada. I was really big on Nevada last year. I thought that they were just an outstanding basketball team. He's kind of hit the ground running there at Arkansas. I know they lost to South Carolina last night but he really is making an impact over there in the SEC West. I
1: mean, look out, Arkansas is 15-5. This was a team that was projected to finish by the media, and of course those preseason rankings can always go wayward, and sometimes there's uh, context lacks a little bit. But Arkansas is 15-5. I'll use the term trending upward again outside of the loss uh, last night. That's a big win for South Carolina, by the way. But just getting back to Musselman, it's funny because there is this dialogue that that typically surfaces when a college program hires the quote-unquote NBA guy. You know, Jerry Stackhouse at Vanderbilt and Juwan Howard at Michigan, on and on and on. And there's sometimes there's reservations. You know, can Penny, Penny of course, at Memphis. Can these NBA guys, ha- um, can they kind of adjust, if you will, to the college coaching? There's recruiting this, that, and the other. Eric Musselman did uh, something uh, wherever he has gone, and that is winning. It does not matter that he's got some NBA influence. If anything, that has helped him, and that, of course, helps Arkansas. Uh, The level of detail – I've seen some Arkansas practices, and I'm lucky to have them on my schedule a bunch this year. The level of detail that I'm seeing this year with Musselman and that coaching staff compared to years past is – Total, it's night and day. It really is. And Arkansas is winning with by and large the same group of players that were there a year ago. You know, a team that lost 13. Oh gosh, they might have lost 14 or 15 games uh, last season. Now they're at 15 and five. Uh, so, so they have been recalibrated, if you will, Mason Jones, who scores nearly 20 a game, Isaiah Joe, who's a, a dead eye shooter. I mean, he has kind of developed those two in particular into potential pros. Uh, That was not the case a year ago when you watched Arkansas and Mason Jones and Isaiah Joe.
0: You know, you mentioned uh, with the pro, the kind of pro mindset heading into the college game. Do you think that's a lot of just college coaches that are basically saying uh, almost like a spoiled grapes mentality of bringing these guys into the, uh, from the NBA and they really haven't paid their dues as a college coach?
1: Yeah. And I, and, and you use that phrase and I hate when, when I think it's most of the time fans, I think it's the the reservations from the fans. I think that's where the, that mindset spreads, but the paid your dues thing, uh, newsflash, some of these guys uh, played at the highest level. And do you know what it take, uh, what it took to get there, uh, whether uh, being a player or a coach, um, you have to pay your dues <laughs> to reach the highest level of basketball. That is the NBA. So I, I, Again, if a coach can coach, um, I, I really don't care where that coach previously served as an assistant or a head coach. Uh, I, I can tell you right now the stuff that, again, I'll use Muscleman in Arkansas, for example, th- there is an NBA philosophy. There is a professional feel in that locker room at practice, no wasted moments, no wasted energy. And, and like the difference is, Muscleman, you know, at the college level, you have the chance to coach. Um, look, when you get to the NBA level, there are uh, exceptional coaches, Doc Rivers, uh, Greg Popovich, where they, you know, in their system are kind of allowed to coach. I would say like um, 80% of the time, uh, you know, that NBA head coach um, is not really doing too much coaching of LeBron James, for example. So, so, you know, if you are, if you are at the college level, you are expected to coach and develop, um, and look, I don't, I really don't pay much mind to, well, who did and did not pay their dues. If you played or coached at the NBA level, you paid your dues to get there. It just wasn't at the college ranks from a coaching standpoint.
0: All right. So let's talk a little bit about that win for South Carolina last night. It was basically ended up being a free throw shooting contest. and <laughs> And it's kind of funny. South Carolina ends up winning a game where it comes down to that.
1: Well, you look at the the numbers, and Arkansas takes 40 free throws, and they obviously are not in that game without those free throws. South Carolina uh, takes 33, but I mean, it's quite simply, this was a good shooting night for South Carolina. I, I mean, we see this every year with, uh, you know, uh, when it comes to Frank Martin's teams, they have these flashes of potential. Now, the last several seasons, it's just been consistency. Um, can you replicate the performance from a night ago? Let's say ten more times. You know there are eleven games remaining in conference play, so that is what these Frank Martin teams are capable of. And and Frank has again, it is still a very young team outside of the senior Mike Coatsar. Um, now look, I think that we're young can only be used, I think up until a certain point, especially during a season. Uh, but and South Carolina has grown up a bit. You know, A.J. Lawson has another strong game. I think the the introduction, if you will, to Jermaine Cousinard's game a couple of weeks ago, he hits that game winner against Kentucky, followed it up with a great game against, oh gosh, I'm forgetting who South Carolina played later that week, but he had an excellent game following up the game winner against Kentucky. So uh, growth, we're seeing that from South Carolina. That's a tough, you know, that's a, that's a game Arkansas is going to look back at and say, man, we, we can't lose at home. But, you know, sooner or later, Frank Martin's going to walk into another arena and steal a win. I mean, that's what his teams do, and it's just a matter of consistency now the rest of the year.
0: You mentioned the 11 games left in the season. When you look at South Carolina's remaining schedule, it's not that far-fetched to think they could win eight, maybe nine of those games. I mean, they're playing teams, uh, they got another game with Vanderbilt, which is Definitely in a rebuilding mode, Mizzou. I don't know what's going on with Conzo Martin up there, but I mean, I, I see eight wins that that are not not out of the realm of possibility for the Gamecocks. Which, if that happens, that puts the Gamecocks at uh, twenty wins. They could go twenty let's, and let's, eleven. I mean, that's that's the epitome of a bubble team. Would you agree? And,
1: and and let's be generous. Let's say it does happen. You know, eight and three will be difficult, but let's let's go with that scenario. That's twenty wins. And Rob that still may not be enough. And reason being is that those losses to Stetson and Boston university are, are real, like those are um, detrimental losses. Now it's going to take, I I think you're right, eight or nine wins here. Um, I I think if South Carolina finishes, it's amazing. We have this projection and the, and the bracketology basically down to a science at this point, you know, it's look back a decade ago. We were not as scientific, if you will, with our, with our projections, but now, you know, it's, it's kind of a science and, and people understand it and people track it. And, you know, if South Carolina finishes the regular season with let's say only 18, 19 losses, uh, save for an amazing run of the SEC tournament, that still may not be enough. Um, The the SEC is still a strong conference. It is not uh, going to get as many bids into the NCAA tournament as the last couple of years, which context, by the way, Uh, 15 teams made the tournament the last two years. So it's not like this is a down year, but it is not as strong as it was the last several seasons. So I think it's going to take, you know, an eight and three finish minimum, no question about it for South Carolina. And, you know, you can't lose at home. You got opportunities to play at Mississippi state and at Alabama and against 22nd ranked LSU team. So Rob, I think that's it. I mean, 20 is a great number. You know, if you talk to Frank Martin, he's focused on, and that team is focused on the next game and that is Missouri. But um, I, they know the stakes. They know what their record looks like. Uh, we see bracketology. These players know it. They see it, wh- whether they are seeking it out or not. Um, and, and it's going to take a run like that. And if if this team resembles uh, just just a sliver of what it was last night, um, I, things could bode well for that scenario.
0: Let's flip over to the Clemson Tigers for a moment. You know, going into the season, we uh, we we talked a little bit at Operation Basketball up in Charlotte, and it was. You and I had kind of the same adage with Clemson. You know, could the transfers help? What would be the big thing with, with Tevin Mack, of course? It, it seems like um, he gets hot and cold, depending on the game. Yeah. But it's. I didn't think coming into this season that Brad Brownell would have wins over Mike Krzyzewski, a win at North Carolina, and a win over Jim Beheim. Generally, you have that. You're thinking, wow, Clemson must be outstanding, but they're just above 500 overall, and right at 500 in ACC play. But if you look at the rest of their schedule, they've got some games that it looks like they could somewhat finish strong. They do have to play Louisville and Florida State. but cause Does Clemson have more of a shot to make the tournament than South Carolina does?
1: Well, and and really quickly, let's tie it all together even further. Uh, when, when we think about Clemson and college basketball this year, so Clemson wins what, four games on Tobacco Road in a five-game stretch. Like you said, you've got these wins against Duke, North Carolina, and Syracuse, but the 11-9 and record. Is that not the embodiment of college basketball this year? And here's why. Inconsistencies. The ACC and SEC lost an immense amount of, I'm using the phrase star power, the Zions. Uh, when you look at uh, teams in the SEC, um, you know, Terrence Davis, like you're, they lost a lot of stars Uh, the last from last season to where we are right now. And that was the same thing for Clemson Mitchell uh, Reed. You lose scores, you lose experienced seniors um, that uh, that's really difficult to overcome. But then again, you see the flashes of brilliance from Clemson. And I think that's the embodiment of just how kind of inconsistent this year of college basketball is, but it's because we lost so many stars, so many great players from a year ago are playing at the next level, whether in the NBA or the G League. So yeah, Clemson has its work cut out for it as
0: well, but that's... Brain fog, insomnia, moodiness, weight gain. Maybe you think they're just part of getting older, but Midi Health understands that for women over 40, they can all connect to menopause. It's at the root of dozens of symptoms we experience, not just hot flashes. Midi clinicians are menopause experts offering safe, effective, FDA-approved solutions covered by insurance. 91% of Midi patients get relief from symptoms within just two months. Book your virtual visit today at joinmidi.com.
1: Strong win over Syracuse. And like you said, when MAC, you know, goes for 32, 12 or 17 from the field, um, you just, you hope you can replicate something similar as the season moves along, but yes, Clemson does have its work cut out for it. It's you know it needs to string a bunch of wins together as well, just like South Carolina.
0: They've got ten games left, and I I don't uh, I don't think they match up well with with Florida State or Louisville on, on both of those games. But the other eight are, are are interesting to me because you could give them a, a you know a fairly decent chance to uh, to snap together eight out of ten wins there. Which would put them at nineteen wins, which is essentially where South Carolina would be as well, so it's going to be interesting and, to, you know, go ahead
1: and Rob, just to offer the context as well, remember two more a c c games on the schedule than in years past, so again i, I would I would caution Clemson fans um, with with the usual rallying cry it, it does feel like Brad is some you know routinely on the hot seat outside of that stretch. Um, a couple of years ago, but remember, you know, you have two fewer chances at um, games on your non-conference schedule that, you know, some teams will, some programs will schedule easy. Um, The ACC and Clemson, two extra ACC games in the schedule. That's a 20 game schedule. So again, I caution fans when you look at the record and if there's disappointment there, look at the way your team is trending Um, winners of five of the last seven. So I, I think that's a perspective that I would like to, Um, promote right now if you will
0: well I want to get quickly into um, the ACC and SEC player of the year you know we talked about um, Anthony up at North Carolina and how we thought that he was just going to be outstanding but injuries have kind of hindered him and and uh, the North Carolina program as well but um, obviously I thought he was going to be in the mix there but if we had to pick someone that uh, would be the ACC player of the year who would you roll with at this point
1: I'll tell you what, and he may win freshman of the year as well. Vernon Carey, I mean, he is a load. He doesn't, he not only scores but rebounds and he blocks shots. I mean, again, if if I think you want to be able to check several boxes off when we're talking about greatness, and he's a shot blocker, he protects the rim. I'll I'll tell you though, I really want to spread the love out here, and I've got to if if I give Carey player of the year uh, over at Duke, uh, you know, can I still? Award freshman of the year to Landers Nolly, who is terrific. He's had a great year for Virginia Tech. Well, we'll call call
0: him the Fitz awards. You can give him whatever you want, man.
1: I can I can basically make a Ben Simmons joke here because Nolly was supposed to play last year, but was ruled ineligible, so uh, he had to sit out and kind of terribly too. It was a, of course, an academic situation with the NCAA and reveals. And, and I think he should have been eligible a year ago is what I'm trying to say, but he comes back and has had this outstanding season for Virginia tech. So that's the name to remember, you know, when I look at the sec, I'm telling you, Rob, I, I truly believe it's Ashton Hagans I mean, I, I think he is the best point guard in that league. He's one of the three best point guards in the country uh, to me, Hagans you know, and everybody's going to point to Anthony Edwards. He's scoring a lot of points. Uh, I think he's the likely freshman of the year. Um, but with Aaron Neesmith, um out for essentially the remainder of the year for Vanderbilt, I mean, to me, Ashton Hagens is the best player, the most valuable player in the SEC. He can score, his assists are at a terrific rate, more than seven a game, and he defends. I mean, he defends. He is a terrific defensive player, and I value that. So, yeah, my, if you go by the Fitz um, uh, uh, equation here, uh, I, I value the defense. I think Hagens is the SEC Player of the Year.
0: You know, tell give us a player that that uh, you're covering there in the SEC that um, you know people may not know much about, and it, it's kind of hard to keep up with with every single team unless they're coming up on your schedule. But do you have a guy that's kind of like a, I don't know, like a dark horse, iron uh, a set there that uh, people may just not know who he is?
1: I said his name earlier. I would repeat it again. I still don't think Mason Jones is getting the credit that he deserves. I mean, this guy—he is a scorer, and he can hit threes. He's fearless, very confident, and and Mason Jones of Arkansas, by the way, very very confident, and he can also attack the rim. <laughs> it's a pretty wonderful story. Under recruited out of high school, uh, he was kind of overweight it, for a couple of years in 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 high school attends a junior college, he was ready to go to Central Arkansas. That was it. That was the only uh, offer out of JUCO for Mason Jones. In comes Mike Anderson, the former head coach, and at the last second he gets the chance to go play at a power conference, and he's scoring again, like 19 a game for Arkansas. But he can not only shoot, he can get to the rim as well. You know, if he puts on a little muscle, like that's the player you need to watch at the next level. Uh, I would say Jones. um, You know, on Reggie Perry at Mississippi State, averaging just about a double-double, Um, Those are names I would say I I would recommend you start paying attention to now. (laughs) And while they are not freshmen, I think they will be uh, pros and potential draft picks this June.
0: Final question for uh, Kevin Fitzgerald, of course, with uh, ESPN, of course, his next couple of games. He's got uh, Alabama and Tennessee, excuse me, Arkansas and Alabama and then Tennessee and Alabama. Can you give me your favorite Kobe Bryant moment that, uh, that you remember? And I know you're a little bit younger than I am, but everybody has like their own Kobe story, something that, that, that just kind of stuck with you when it came to Kobe Bryant.
1: I mean, him leaping, leaping into the arms of Shaq, you know, pumping the fist during the 3 threepeat from 99 to 02. I mean, that, that's the image that I have. There are too many, gosh, I was reading an article and I think the, the authors surmised that the number of game-winning shots, not just buzzer beaters, but game-winning shots during Kobe's career was north of 30. We're talking like three dozen. Uh, you know, there are, look, we lost not just an NBA icon. We lost a global icon. Um, his impact in the game was and will always be immense. I mean, he touched every corner of the basketball universe. Um, you know, and, and it's, it's horribly tragic. I'll say this were Are there is Kobe Bryant, the best basketball player to ever play the game? No, he's one of the top 10, but is he the most clutch? I would say so. When, when it came down to crunch time you know, he and Michael Jordan, I I think those are the two that you answer the question. You know, you can say Kareem Abdul-Jabbar was a, was a better player. Maybe magic Johnson was a better player again. And we're the margin here is razor thin, but When you think of Kobe, you think of clutch. You think of Mamba mentality. And to me, uh, he and Jordan are the most clutch players in the crunch time. When they had to get it done, they did. It's because they were humble enough to prepare to an inordinate level, but then still had the confidence to get it done. And and sometimes people have one of those two and not both. And Kobe had both.
0: Do you think he was looked at uh, and and there was like a a, a section of folks that thought he was kind of aloof, but – I think if you're at that level of greatness, you kind (laughs) of have to be. Don't you agree? I mean, you kind of have to be – think that you're awesome, in my opinion. You know what I mean? Killer instinct. And I think,
1: you know, I I think the misnomer around Kobe, maybe better said this way, a little standoffish, you know, kind of truculent at times early in his career. But that's because he sacrificed friendships, um, chit-chat. He didn't want to be your friend. He wanted to beat you. And he sacrificed a lot, I think. To, to perform at the level that he did. I mean, it was – Kobe made you uncomfortable. I, I, a good friend of mine, Ian Eagle, the voice of the Nets, and, uh, of course, the NFL and the NCAA tournament on CBS referenced this, and, and I totally agree with it. He just he said, Kobe made you uncomfortable. Not just the opposition. You think the, the opposing player that we're talking about. No, no, he made his teammates uncomfortable too because he demanded um, – an immense amount from them because winning was all he cared about. I think he sacrificed what you thought about him uh, to be the best and to win. And he's got, you know, won five rings. So uh, I always admired the, the only thing I am obsessed with is winning. And guess what he did? He won.
0: I agree with you on that. And I think the big thing for me, and you mentioned where he made, he, I think he made players on his own team uncomfortable where you know, he's, what, in his second year, and he's telling Shaq, hey, man, you're too fat? I mean, that's basically the vibe that he gave him. I mean, you're telling a guy who's already went to the NBA Finals with the Magic and signed one of the biggest free agent contracts in NBA history, hey, you're too fat, stay out of McDonald's and work on your free throws. I mean, that's that takes a set of, of, of cojones there, man. I mean, they clashed. Like,
1: you, it is not a stress to say there were some years when Kobe was, was – was you could nearly say he was essentially an outcast on, on some of those Laker teams because he was all ball. That was it. He didn't want to uh, he didn't want to listen to music. He didn't want to rap on the bus with you. He didn't want to um, engage and, and have fun, if you will. That was Shaq. I mean, Shaq had the big bubbly personality, and like there were there were times when Kobe was like again outside the basketball court, like he was kind of the odd man out at times, especially early in his career, and when Shaq was in L. A. Because uh, there was obviously that clash as to, <clears throat> excuse me, whose team is it. But uh, that was Kobe. I mean, that was him. And, you know, we are fortunate that um, we got to watch him play basketball for 20 years. And, of co- you know, we're talking a future Hall of Famer that, you know, will become official, if you will, um, you know, the next Hall of Fame cycle.
0: Kevin Fitzgerald from ESPN joining us here. Kevin, man, thanks so much for taking some time out for us uh, here today on the rundown, man. I really appreciate it.
1: Hey, love talking hoops with you, Rob. See you soon.
0: All right, we'll talk to Kevin later on, man. Thanks a lot, man. All right, Kevin Fitzgerald joining us on the rundown. Lots of knowledge there that he dropped on us, including uh, some SEC and ACC players we kind of got to look at here. We'll take a break. When we come back, we'll talk about some big changes coming into uh, the NBA All-Star Game. A couple of other little things, too, that are out there on the rundown this afternoon. You're listening to Fox Sports Radio 1400. Excuse me, my goodness today. Welcome back to The Rundown. I'm Rob Sanders. Thanks for joining me here on Fox Sports Radio 1400 around the world on the iHeartRadio app. Special thanks to Kevin Fitzgerald for joining us today, talking a little hoops, as he is like the life of the broadcaster, man, who we just talked to. The other is Mike Morgan, who uh, holds a soft spot for me because... Growing up around uh, Columbia, I remember listening to Mike doing stuff for the Gamecocks. It's an utter shame he's not over there doing all the sports for the Gamecocks. Not to uh to mock the gentlemen that do it, but Mike Morgan's just better than you are. I'm sorry. Now, I mean, that's what everybody says that uh, that hears him anyway. They want to say it. It's just, and I don't know what happened with all the end of it. I, I have no insight. All I know is, is that. That's where Mike Morgan should be. Kevin Fitzgerald the same way. He should have... He's eventually going to go somewhere and work full-time for a school. We'll see where he ends up. But just a gifted, gifted play-by-play guy. Especially on the baseball front. And it's kind of a... Uh, I've done play-by-play for baseball stuff at, at, for a high school tournaments uh, right here on Fox Sports Radio. Play-by-play is hard. And they do it so smoothly. You just, it's just epic the way that those two gentlemen do it. So I'm going to work to get Mike Morgan on the program here in the next uh, week or so. Yes, he is uh, traveling the SEC beat, getting ready for baseball season, I'm sure. I'm sure we'll keep up with Kevin, too, as he's on the baseball front as well. All right, so things we're going to get into today. You know, I uh, our interview with Kevin went long, so i will take a little bit of a break here in just a moment. But they're changing the NBA All-Star format to make it... Uh, basically the kobe bryant show we'll talk about that and there is an article written that talks about big predictions for sec teams going into the fall even though we're we just wrapped up football season three weeks ago you always got to be thinking about the next one so we'll talk about that and a lot more in just a moment you're listening to the rundown this is fox sports radio 1400 strap in It's time for The List. The List this afternoon here on Fox Sports Radio 1400. It's, well, it's my top five NBA nicknames of all time. Yes, we have NBA nicknames. You know, a lot of it's come out, and I'll tell you where Kobe Bryant ends up on my list. He does make the top five. But these are my five. As far as NBA players go, with just the best nicknames for them, all right? So here we go with top five NBA nicknames, and these are just my opinion. You can call up with your favorite at 803-978-1832, but this is my five. Number five. Number five, I am going to go with Pistol Pete for Pete Maravich. You know, a lot of people really didn't get a chance to see Pete Maravich play, but he was just outstandingly special. Uh, One of my... I mean, if, uh, when I go back and like uh, to show you how much of a goofball geek that I am, I like to go back and watch old NBA games. If you can find them anywhere on the Internet, I'll watch them. Watching Pistol Pete play was just outstanding. What a great name too, Pistol Pete just sounds just awesome. I really, really like that name a lot. Number four, Number four on the list for me is Dr. J for Julius Irving. You know, I, I really like it's. Julius Irving was such a great player, but I think that he was kind of out of my my age group as far as uh, my ability to understand how great he was and how much of an impact he had on the game. But the Dr. J stuff that you see is just amazing. Uh, And the names uh, and how that name just kind of, when you see him, it just fits. Nobody calls him Julius anymore. It's kind of just kind of the way it is. So he's at number four. Number three. Number three for me is Irvin Magic Johnson. It was magic when he played. Simple as that. Just a great player. And he was one of, like, the first big guards. He was like a point forward. I mean, Magic Johnson was, what, 6'9", 6'10", something like that? So a lot of these guys would, and you know the magic story, these guys would come out and they'd put a smaller guard on him because he's bringing the ball up to the, you know, bringing the ball up the court like a point guard and, Put a guy on in the six three six four. He's looking over their head, and you he can see more of the of the court, which of course helped with his court vision. Yeah, there you go. So Magic Johnson is at number three. Number two. Number two for me is the Black Mamba with Kobe Bryant, which was almost like an alter ego for himself. You can see plenty of ESPN stories right now about everything going on with Kobe Bryant and uh, his his shocking loss earlier. the, the shocking loss of Kobe Bryant last weekend. So yeah, Kobe Bryant, the Black Mamba Theory, that's kind of what it was because he was a killer at number two. And number one. When I was a kid, I wanted a pair of Air Jordans. I didn't get a pair of Air Jordans until I was like out of the military and like I had like my first real job before I got a pair of Air Jordans. I've still got them somewhere and it's like I wanted the Air Jordans because when I was a kid growing up, it was Michael Jordan and everybody else. Now, I know we have LeBron James now, and we even had Kobe Bryant. But for me, the best NBA player of all time is Michael Jordan. Simple as that. He just dominated for so long. And you can put the numbers up and the rings and all that. And I know people will call and they'll want to argue with me that X and Y didn't have Horace Grant and Scottie Pippen and and Dennis Rodman and all these guys. I don't care. I mean, I truly don't care, okay? For me, it's Michael Jordan. You're not really going to change my mind until someone else comes along. Now, I know there's going to be a section of people that talk about, well, you should be more respectful of what LeBron James has done. It's not an issue of being respectful of LeBron James. It's an issue of I'm respectful of Michael Jordan because I actually physically went to an arena and seen him do what he does, and he shocked me every time. I went to a game with the, where they played the Atlanta Hawks, okay? Okay. And Michael Jordan comes out, and this is like, uh, this is after he had the sabbatical where he played baseball. This guy comes out, and in the first half, they put Stacy Ogman on him, okay? Really jump, dumping into the, the big NBA lake here. But if you're a, a basketball fan, bear with me. I hope my buddy Justin Hall's not listening. He's going be like, man, why is Rob talking? Who is who is, who is Stacy Ogman? Stacey Ogman was a guy that was a big, long guy. Very uh, very good defender. They called him the plastic man, if I remember correctly. But Augman went out on Michael Jordan in the first half and pretty much shut Jordan down. Jordan had like eight points at the half. At the half for Michael Jordan, a game against the Atlanta Hawks. Hawks are leading by 12. They come out in the second half. Michael Jordan starts sizing up Stacy Ogman and then puts on a show. I'm talking like he ended up with like 39, 44, something like that. I mean, he had like 30 points at least in the second half, and the Bulls went from down by 12 in the half to winning by 15 when the game was over. It got so bad that Ogman checked off, and they put Mookie Blaylock on him. And Mookie Blaylock is like 6'2", Michael Jordan 6'6". The carnival continues, ladies and gentlemen. That's what happens in basketball. Speaking of which, I'm going to bring a basketball mind in studio here in the next couple of weeks when he gets uh, back into town. My buddy Marcus Saxon, of course, uh, he is a professional coach down in Mexico. He also uh, does all kinds of different basketball camps, but really has the basketball mind. And he'll he'll tell you, you know, look, when you have a guy that's 6'2 playing a guy against the guy who's 6'6, the advantages, the disadvantages, Really, really cool stuff. Of course, he played at Arkansas for uh, Nolan Richardson and then transferred to Utah State. One of the brightest people I've talked to on the basketball front. He just gets it. And I'm looking forward to bringing him in on the show. He told me I had to buy him lunch first. It's like we're going on a date. I've got to take my buddy out to lunch before he comes in and does the show. But I'll do that for you here because as soon as you hear the knowledge that Marcus has, you're going to want to uh, hear Some of the stuff he puts together. He is outstanding. So, looking forward to that. All right. So, there you go. There's my top five names. A couple others that are, uh, that barely missed the uh, list here. Alan Iverson being called the answer. Yeah. That was, I remember that. And of course, Akeem the Dream, Elijah Wan, the Shake and Bake Man. I mean, it was like, oh my goodness. That move that he had uh, on the baseline was insane. Insane with the stuff that he can do. And of course, uh, leading the Houston Rockets to the NBA title. I think he was, at the time, he was uh, where he needed to be, but you could argue that he was kind of an underrated player on some fronts. He was one of the best centers ever. I also like Carl Malone with the mailman because he always delivered. Remember that? Yeah. Kind of an uh, interesting uh, adage there. And Giannis Opundo. I I can never pronounce his name. I have a microphone in front of my face, but I can't fix it. He is the Greek freak. What a great name for him. All right, so we'll take your calls on my list of athletes in the NBA and their nicknames, of course, my top five. Air Jordan, of course, is at number one. If you want to debate with me on that, we'll take your calls at 803-978-1832. 803-978-1832 is the number to call if you want to join us on The Rundown this afternoon. We've got one more segment for you. I've got several different things. I've got to figure out where I'm going to go. I've got so much stuff. We'll get into that and a lot more, as I always say, here on The Rundown. You are listening to Fox Sports Radio 1400. Welcome back to The Rundown, final segment of the show this afternoon. The last segment of the show is like, when I'm doing my stuff to get ready for the show, I always have like four or five stories that kind of make me go, huh? Wait, what? Yeah, I think that's what I'm going to end up doing during the last segment of the show. It's just going to be the the segment of stories that make me go, huh? Now, I have to come up with something creative to make that go. Okay, but these three stories kind of had me sitting around, going, like putting my finger up to my mouth, like the, uh, like the guy from Austin Powers. Hmm. Okay, then, what happened here? We'll start with a sleeping giant has emerged in the Tom Brady sweepstakes. Okay, everybody kind of wants to get in on the Tom Brady stuff. You know, yesterday I said, hey. uh, I don't think Tom Brady's going anywhere, but there's a new person that may or new team that may be in the mix. Ladies and gentlemen, who do you think it is? Well, apparently, according to Peter King, he thinks it's going to be the Tampa Bay Buccaneers because that's what they need to go to the Super Bowl, right? Yeah, buddy. Tampa Bay does have some wide receivers. I'll give them that, but calling them a sleeping giant. Peter King knows his stuff, I guess, but if I, am, if I am the Tampa Bay Bucks, I don't know if I'd want to get everybody hyped up with Tom Brady coming there. That just doesn't seem like that's going to work for me. But, hey, this is what Peter King says. They have a pretty good offensive line. They've got two excellent receivers. they got a really good young tight end, and they have a very imaginative head coach and offensive coordinator in the passing game. If they were so great on the coaching front, they would have stopped Jameis Winston from throwing, what, 20 interceptions last year? However many interceptions he threw. A lot of those are on him, I get that, but the reality is that good coaching can cut down on interceptions. When you have a quarterback that throws that many, there's little things you can do, like, oh, I don't know, running the ball more? That's what I would do, take the ball out of his hands a little bit. And when you do put the ball in his hands, don't let him throw Crazy passes. Don't have him set up with crazy stuff down the field. Jameis Winston, athletically, despite the fact, fact that he is an alleged rapist and a known stealer of crab legs, he does have the physical capabilities to be an NFL quarterback. He's played at a high level and has done some good stuff on the football field. Now, I think he's the scum of the earth as far as being a human being, but that's just me. We're not talking about that. We're talking about what's going on between the lines. So we got to stay focused with that. But the reality is, is that it seems like his teammates love him, okay? I, don't, I, I think that he's asking for a lot of money, but they should come to some sort of conclusion. And Winston should back off a little bit on that too. Stop thinking that you're the greatest thing since sliced bread when you've been throwing the ball to the other team a lot, a whole lot. And in fact, when you do that, that's how your teams lose, When you throw the ball to the other team, that's how your teams lose. Simple, right? So, don't bring in Tom Brady. That makes no sense. Why can't we just have Brady going back to the Patriots? I know he had to let his contract expire, and Brady wants to play some more. You know, he's got this... He's had promises with his wife and stuff, I'm sure, about how long he's going to play. And he didn't have a bad season this year. But... The Patriots didn't make the AFC Championship game or the Super Bowl, I think, for the first time in forever. But do you really think Tom Brady's going to come back next year and not be pretty good as long as he's in the Patriots' uh, system there? I don't want us to have a lasting image of Tom Brady where it's like Michael Jordan in the Washington Wizards uniform. Nobody wants to see that. Nobody wants to see Peyton Manning in the Denver Broncos' uniform. You just don't want to see it. Let's have the Chipper Jones thing going here. You play one team with one team that long. If Tom Brady wanted to leave, he could have left a long time ago. He didn't have to take these reduced contracts to stay in New England. But you know why he took the reduced contracts? Because Tom Brady likes to win. And that's what they do in New England. Simple as that. So, yeah, that's a story that made me kind of go, huh? Uh, there, there was a story on the NBA basketball. New All-Star Game format. It's so complicated and so confusing. I don't have the time to, to break it down for you, but we'll get into that tomorrow. I will save that to my stack of stuff, so you'll have that, okay? So, final story of the day. This past November, there was an incident at Georgia's Sanford Stadium days before the game against Texas A&M. football stadium was vandalized with a portion of the field severely damaged and ultimately replaced. After a few months of investigating, though, authorities have arrested suspects in the crime. According to 11 11 Alive, four students from Oxford College of Emory University have been arrested and charged in connection to the vandalism incident. Per the report, four were booked in Athens, Clark County Jail, and posted a $3,500 bond. Incident allegedly occurred on November twentieth, 2019. Officials... Uh, University officials informed police that a large swath of the field was damaged by salt That was initially poured onto it with the intention of killing the grass So (laughs) We all did stupid things in college Uh, Someone that does a lot of talking on this show may have rolled the president's house in college I'm not going to tell you what college I was at But may have rolled the president's house in college after we won a big basketball game That may or may not have happened Allegedly, as they would say We do stupid things, but why in the hell are you going to go and put grass, kill the grass? I I don't get that. That makes absolutely no sense. The, as I said, poured salt poured on the grass with the intent of killing the grass. A six by 15 foot section of the turf needed to be removed in order to repair the damaged field. They were able to take care of it. The damages from the incident included $500 for the turf as well as $24 for several stolen Georgia seatbacks. So, you're just I mean, I guess you're just drunk and running around, "Hey, let's go and kill some grass." And then, "Oh, I need a couple of Georgia seatbacks." Here's the other thing. If you're at a stadium, there's this nice little thing called cameras They have security on every campus. If you can't have, let's say your stadium's not right in the middle of campus or whatever, you can have these cameras that will show you everything, and your guy in the security booth, which you should have, can watch all of this stuff and go and handle it. But the message to kids if you're listening to this, don't pour salt on grass. It's not good. And if you want $24 worth of Georgia seatbacks, let me know. We can go find some in the trash can. People throw those out all the time. Tomorrow on the Rundown, we'll get to an SEC story that uh, I didn't have enough time to get to today. We'll also preview. uh, It's about the SEC football teams for next season. Big, bold predictions for each one. Not looking good for the Gamecocks on that front. By the way, tomorrow we'll also look ahead to the basketball weekend. And a lot more. Lawton Swan of Clemson Sports Talk is next. He's the czar of Clemson Sports. He's outside right now, ready to entertain you from 4 to 6. My name is Rob Sanders. I'm on Twitter at RobSoundsGood. Podcast is up at 5 o'clock. More of the rundown tomorrow on Fox Sports Radio 1400.